Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. We love you, dads. We let you cry from laughing and then cry from the meaningful part there. Dads, we're so thankful for you. Welcome on Father's Day to Banner Church. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are excited about Father's Day. I love that video. I was watching it, and I was like, oh, this is pretty funny. They're making dad jokes, and then it got all meaningful, and I'm there trying not to cry. Like, in my little kid, he's like, what are you watching? I'm like, nothing. Uh, <laughs> but it's good. You know, we, we love dads. We love fathers here. Uh, we, and, and I love every aspect of being a father. I love being a goofy dad. Uh, we always, uh, we've always done dad jokes here on Father's Day, so I thought, you know, I should keep the tradition going and lead off with some dad jokes in honor of this, uh, this video we watched. And so I want to give you a couple. Uh, the first one is, why don't scientists trust atoms? Because they make up everything. Uh, did you hear about the kidnapping of the, uh, sorry, did you hear about the kidnapping at the park? Don't worry, he woke up. I used to hate facial hair, but then it grew on me. I'm reading a book about anti-gravity it's impossible to put down. Did you hear about the new restaurant on the moon? Great food, no atmosphere. Why don't skeletons fight each other? Because they don't have the guts. What did a grape say when it got stepped on? Nothing, it just let out a little wine. Why don't oysters donate to charity? Because they're shellfish. How does a penguin build a house? It glues it together. You like this? <laughs> My kids have to suffer that constantly. <laughs> and worse. There's, there's worse ones, but I won't, I'll, uh, I'll spare you. But I love being a dad. I love, uh, you know, being goofy with my kids. It's part of being a dad. If you met my kids and you know I have pretty goofy kids and they get it from their mother. Uh, <laughs> but being a dad, you know, it's really multifaceted, right? As a father, you lead your family, you, you know, you lead your house. As a father, you, you're the spiritual leader, you work a job, you raise children, you're the goofball, the teacher, the coach, uh, the art teacher sometimes on craft day, the disciplinarian when you need to, and really in many ways the pastor of your own home and spiritual leadership. You know, as fathers, we, we joke with our kids, we teach our kids, we train our kids in life and in the word, we discipline our kids, we hold our kids when they have a bad day, we encourage them to, to step forward into the future, we pray for them, we believe for them. Being a father is so many different things, and I know today we have uh, fathers here from all different walks of life and in different stages. We have uh, fathers who are expectant of a baby like any day now, right? We have, uh, we have uh, fathers who have raised children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren. We have fathers who've stepped in to be spiritual fathers for those uh, who, who needed a father in their life. We have foster fathers and adoptive fathers here. We have, foster, we have fathers of all shape and size. And we want to honor you because I really believe, fathers and men, that, that you are important 
that you are important. Your role is important. There's different styles. There's different attitudes. There's different skills. There's different job descriptions. There's different uh, places you might go to work or work from home or, or watch the kids, whatever it might be. There's different levels, but your role is important as a father. I really, I really believe that. It doesn't matter if you can fix anything in the house or you have to call somebody to fix anything in the house. Your role is still important as a father. It doesn't matter if you're athletic or you're into numbers or you're into games or whatever your, your, your preferences are, your style, what kind of music you listen to. I just want you to know, dads, that you're important. And what I, what I notice consistently in our culture is that our culture is not entirely positive about dads, and it's not entirely positive about men. Often, men or dads are depicted as dumb, slow, foolish, or the opposite. They're, they're really projected as being domineering, as being oppressive in many ways. And so there's, there's a narrative about masculinity in our culture that it's about domination and power. There's something that should be rejected because it's not needed, that men are not needed. And it's becoming really increasingly difficult for the next generation to feel confident as men. But I want, I want, to, want you to hear me today. The message when we talk, I'm going to speak broadly, so it'll be for all people. But just right now, I want you to hear me, men of God. I want you to hear me say that you were created by God as men that God created you to be men. He is thankful for you, and he is proud of you. And that God has placed a destiny on your life as men, that he's created you on purpose for a purpose, and that we're here as Banner Church. We're here in our men's ministry, and our men's leadership is here because we want to build you up and encourage you as men of God. And this morning, I really want to speak, men, that, that your heart and your spirit will be encouraged, that God wants to unlock destiny in your life because you matter, and your role matters. That God did not make you a certain way so that you could stifle that, but that the world needs men of God to be exactly who he made you to be. So if you have not felt supported or encouraged, that by, encouraged in that by the world, I want you to hear me say that you matter, your role matters, who you are matters, your role as a father matters. And I want to look at a profound moment in scripture, which on the surface kind of seems unimportant. But as we dive in, we begin to see something important that God does in stirring the hearts of men to something greater. If you brought your Bible, would you do this with me? Would you just jump to 1 Samuel chapter 22? If you didn't bring your Bible, don't worry. The words are going to be on, on the screens here. But I want to look at a moment in 1 Samuel chapter 22, starting in verse 1. And we're going to look at King David. It says this in, in verse 1. David departed from there. I'll explain that in a second. I'm going to try not to break this, whoever this is. I'm sorry. Just hanging under here. Try my best. David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Somebody say Adullam. And when his brothers and his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And verse 2 says, And everyone who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to them, and he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Let's just stop there. 
On the surface, this is just kind of a list of details. It, it lives in this phrase where he says later, then he went down to Mizpah, Moab, and from there he met the king of Moab, and from there he said, move out of this stronghold. And so because in Samuel it's summarizing a bunch of things that are happening and getting tied back in, it just feels like this unimportant detail. But something incredibly important happened in this moment. Let me give you some context here. How many of you guys have ever heard of King David? King David? Okay. If, you, if you've not, he's probably the most important king in Israel. And uh, let me give some context, because I know some people today, this might be your first time. So let me just give you really brief context. And then if you have more questions, we'd love to read the Bible with you. So just come talk to me. I'll give you all the context you want, relationally. But quick context. David uh, is going to become the king of Israel. And Israel has gone into the promised land. Uh, we're talking about this in our Joshua series right now. And when they're, when they're going in, they ask for a king when they're in the promised land. And God says, well, I'm your leader. They said, yeah, but we want to look like everybody else. We want a king. So God, I guess semi-reluctantly, but understanding the ways of man, appoints a man named Saul to be king. And it starts okay, but then like immediately goes bad. Like pretty early on gets weird. And uh, so God says to Saul, listen, your family, not going to be it. I'm going to, you know, basically, or he says to Samuel, Saul's family, not going to be it. We need to go anoint somebody else. So he sends Samuel to anoint a new king. And he goes and he anoints David. And through a series of events, David comes into the palace of Saul. And unsurprisingly, with God's presence and favor resting on David, he becomes very popular. And with God's favor not resting on Saul, he becomes less popular. And you might not need to know, you might not know a lot about the Bible, but you can know this when it comes to kings. If you're king and nobody likes you and everybody likes someone else, you're going to be insecure. <laughs> and so he does what all kings have done when they're insecure. He tries to kill David. And so when it says David departed from there, David left, left his friends, left his place, left Jonathan, who was his dear friend, and departed and comes to a cave called Adullam. And that's where we are. He, he flees from Saul, and he goes to the wilderness, and it says his friends and his, and, and his family come. But then it says there's this gathering. Let me read it again. It says, David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Someone say Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him, and he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. The cave of Adullam is the birthplace, truly, of David's mighty men. Probably like one of the, biblically, one of the most popular groups of dudes, other than the disciples is the mighty men of renown, an incredible fighting force, important in the kingdom of Israel, but they begin in this space in the cave. They're truly fashioned in this space in the cave. They're truly unlocked in their destiny in this moment in the cave, in an unlikely place, in an unlikely time. There's the cave operates it, and what God does begins to transform them from one state to another where they become really men of renown. And I want to look at that together. There's four transformative aspects of the cave of Agilum that are occurring right here. 
The very first one is this. If you write notes, write this down. Desperation. David comes to this cave because he's being pursued. He's going to be killed. So he comes for rest. He comes for escape. He comes for safety. Really, he had nowhere else to go. In the world of Israel, he was like number one on the FBI's most wanted list. And, there, and it's like he's the only guy on the list. The king is fully devoted to pursuing and killing him. He's like the only guy on the wanted list. And his life is constantly in danger. He's profoundly alone. He's had to leave his friends and his family. And so he goes and he escapes to this cave. And, and I want, if you can, just imagine, if you've ever been out in the wilderness here in the valley, you can kind of picture that kind of wilderness where you go out. Uh, if you've ever been out towards the Superstition Mountains, everyone hiked out to the Superstitions, and you're going out, and there's these really cool caves. There's, a, there's the Wave Cave Trail you can hike up from the Peralta Trailhead, and you go up, and there's this big cave there. And so if you can imagine going out miles and miles and miles and miles away into the wilderness to a cave, you can probably begin to imagine the isolation and the darkness that that place would have been, right? No lights, all by yourself. So here's David, a man after God's own heart, the anointed king who we see sitting in darkness and in isolation, feeling distress and feeling turmoil. But what's amazing is it's in this desperation that men of various backgrounds and circumstances start to come together. And I know when you say like, man, a transformative aspect of life is desperation, that doesn't sound encouraging at all. I'm not saying it's encouraging, I'm just saying that desperation is a part of life. And so in this place, God starts bringing people together, but he brings an interesting group of people together because go back to verse two if you have your Bible, what kind of people does it say? It says, everyone who was in distress Everyone who was in debt, everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. That sounds more like you're putting together a motorcycle gang than righteous men of God, right? Like, let's get the, let's get the debtors. Like, let's get the angry people. Let's get the people who got a problem with society. Let's put them all in a cave. And I'm sure some righteousness is coming out of there. No, right? It's not what we would assume. But that's what happens. Here are these men who felt abandoned who felt rejected, who felt weary, who felt distressed. They were on the outside of society. They were maybe upset at the state of the nation. They were maybe upset at the way things were going. They were frustrated. They were not on the inside of what the king was doing. They were very desperate. And as we begin to think of that, all of a sudden that doesn't seem that far off. Because like these men, I think a lot of us find ourselves, men, in the caves of life, caves of disappointment, caves of failure, caves of uncertainty. Many times you might feel distressed. You might feel alone. You might feel frustrated. You might be upset at the way the nation is going. But I want to encourage you that in these moments of desperation, God often does his greatest work. When we look at the word of God, God constantly meets us in our desperation, in our brokenness, and uses it to reveal his purpose for our life. Because we're brought to a place, and in the isolation, though it's frustrating, it's very clarifying, because you don't have all the other noise. 
And you begin to be desperate, and you begin to cry out to God. And we know that when we cry out to God, He hears us, and He answers us. And says, everyone who is in distress, everyone who is in debt, everyone who is bitter in soul gathered to Him, and He became commander over them, and there were about 400 men. It says, they all gathered to David. What's the second transformative aspect that we see of the cave is God's beginning to transform these men from men who are in distress, men who were, who were separate, men who felt ordinary or maybe even outsider into the mighty men of God. What's the other one? It's divine unity. First one is desperation. The second is divine unity. It says they all came and they gathered to him. And 400, that's not a small amount of people. That's a ton of people. 400, just the men. Let alone, it says, all the other people in the family that came to him. That's a ton. 400 people in a cave is a lot of dudes in a cave. That's a big cave, right? That's, yeah, hopefully they had some air circulation. 400 dudes in a cave. Hopefully it was near like a creek or something. But what I love about this is in the cave of Adullam, David's friends, his companions, the guys who, who gathered, discovered something really profound. They found a brotherhood of men who were united in their pursuit of God's calling of their life. They came in bitter, distressed, in debt. But what they found when they came together was they found that they were united in their pursuit of God's leadership over their life. And it wasn't a bond that was developed casually. I mean, here's the thing I've learned about men. Most men do not develop relationships in comfort as well as they do in adversity. Right? We like challenge, but challenge alone is exhausting. Challenge together is friendship forming. Adversity does a lot to us, right? One of the biggest things adversity does is it reveals. Adversity reveals character. Adversity reveals uh, priority. Adversity reveals purpose. And so as these men come together under adversity, but they come into relationship, they came under one purpose and one bond. And what's amazing is when men form that bond of purpose under the Lord, they create something that surpasses their individual strengths. They find strength and encouragement in one another. That's why today brotherhood is essential for men. See, the world longs to isolate and divide men because you were meant to do relationship together. But if the world can divide, then it can just break you down individually. If the enemy can divide, it can break you down individually. But we have an epidemic of loneliness amongst men in this nation. And it's every age. It's every place. You say, well, I'm in this place, and the men here are like this. Listen, this is my job. I spend constant amounts of time researching and talking with people. I meet with pastors all over the nation weekly. And every week, one of the topics is men are chronically lonely. It's, a, it's an epidemic in our culture. And I think it's because men often feel like they have to fight the fight alone. And I want to tell you, like, you weren't meant to fight alone. You literally physically were not created to be alone. The first thing God said when he made you was, you need someone with you to help you. I'm going to make somebody to go with you. Like he, he, God's like, wow, this is perfect. And even when it was perfect, he's like, he needs somebody with him. We need each other. Man, we, 
We need to come to church. We need to send that text. We need to make that call. We need to suck it up. It's like we know. We should, have, we should know that person's name. We've seen them for a year. We've done a small group. We've attended their wedding. And you can't remember their name. You just need to have the stones to go ask them their name, right? Don't be afraid. Right? There's grace. Do, we just do like a reset on names. Who needs a good reset on names, right? It's like I've been here for eight months. I'm at that point where I should know everybody's name or like at least more than two people's name, but I don't know their name, and now people are looking at me like I'm a regular, and now I don't even know how to start making friends. Just ask them, right? Reset. If anyone gives you junk for not knowing their name, we'll just kick them out of the church. <laughs> Please, no, I'm joking. If you're new, you're like, this guy's mean. I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> but seriously, you're up. But I want to encourage you men, we're called to foster these authentic relationships. Not because it's like something you have to do for the church. It's because it's, it's good for us. It's good for us. I want to encourage you, if you're one of those guys that struggles with that, start first with your schedule. Just put that on there and say, you know what, like, Tuesdays, I don't know who it's going to be, but Tuesdays, I'm going to spend some time. I'm just going to like text every dude that I know. We're going to spend some time together. We're going to grow. Because I think, it, I think our lives get so crazy. We've worked it out, but we're, we're called by God. We're encouraged by God to foster these relationships. It's good for us. Hebrews 10, 24, he says, let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Right? He says, don't give up meeting together. In fact, do the opposite. Encourage one another because the day is near. There's going to come a day when Christ is going to return and God has a great plan and we want to walk in the plan of God. And as men, as we stand united, we begin to overcome challenges that we can't do alone. We begin to support people through things that we can't do alone. We begin to be the mighty men of God that God intended us to be. It wasn't the mighty man of God. It was the mighty men of God. What happened to David is, is he began to get a away from the mighty men of God, and he just became a, the man, the one. He got into some problems, but he, when he was around the men of God, he was strengthened. He was renewed. He was encouraged. Men, you don't have to do this alone, and if you need a day just to reset your heart and to give yourself the permission, fathers, you're just carrying a weight. You're carrying the burden of the world. Your schedule's crazy, and you just feel bad you didn't send that text back. You feel bad you didn't come on the men's camping trip. Now you feel like you're kind of on the outside. I'm just giving you like a holy reset right now to say that God loves you, and this church loves you, and we're for you, and we're better together. Man, divine unity. Everyone still with me this morning? Just take a second, even if you need to. In fact, Lord, I just pray right now. For those who just feel like maybe we've been on the outside of a relationship, pray just reset our heart right now. Pray for great intentionality in our spirit. And Holy Spirit, would you knit us together like never before so that no man feels like they have to do this alone. No father feels like they have to do fatherhood alone right now. Go remove shame. They would be trying to put a gap between that. Remove the, the excuses or the things that have come in. The small things, the, the style choices, the, 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 the interests, the, the, the ways we choose to divide ourselves in silly ways. Got to remove those because we just want to be united together. Help us prioritize and be intentional in community. God, because we know you have great things for these men. Third thing, ready? Development. There's desperation, there's divine unity, and there's development. It says, 
everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter and soul gathered to him and he became commander over them and there uh, there were with him about 400 men. David becomes the commander of these men, and they become under him a unit of men. When they came into the cave, they were distressed. They were bitter. They were in debt. They owed, people, they owed the government some money. When they're with him, they became, right? There's, that's an active word, right? They, they became, God did a work, and they became a unit with David as the commander over them. And I love that because in the cave, they not only found camaraderie, but they developed the character and courage necessary for greatness. See, David in this season, he shaped into the king that he would become. But what I love too is that the men that were with him learned and grew in humility and faith and courage and loyalty. You guys want to hear a cool story? Let me tell you a cool story from the Word of God. 2 Samuel 23 says three of the 30 chief men. It's talking about when they were all together. It's a list of all the mighty men. It says, hey, remember when, when three of the 30 chief men went down and came uh, about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam. It says when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that's by the gate. And the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried it and brought it to David. But he would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink, of the, shall I drink the blood of the men who went at at the risk of their lives. Therefore, he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. So these are three of the men that went. I love this. David's getting homesick. He's like, man, I wish that we, I had a drink of that, that well. We need that. We're in the stronghold. And it says three men broke through the lines for a cup of water. That's awesome. That's incredibly courageous. See, a little dumb? Like, I don't, I don't want to put that in the Word of God, but it's like, for water? But there's something symbolic that's happening. They're showing value to David. He's saying, I want this, and they're saying, yes, and so they're fashioned in courage as men, and they break through the lines, and they bring him back to water, but David is a moment of integrity and leadership says, listen, I'm not going to be that kind of king that abuses my men and makes them do foolish things. I'm going to be the kind of king that says, listen, we're, you, we're going together. We're in it together, and he pours it out. He denies himself for his men. He's not insulting them by night. He's denying himself for his men. That is a powerful moment where these men face adversity, hone their skills, but also build relationship. Are you with me? So they begin to embrace their God-given potential as the mighty men of God. They started as distressed men gathering together, men uh, who were in debt, men who were frustrated, but here they are being men of integrity and men of great courage. See, the cave, though, was a place of desperation. The cave wasn't a hiding place. It was a training ground. I want to encourage you. Embrace the development of God. Embrace the development that comes to the fellowship of other men. Because some of you, you are in the season of the cave. Like right here, this is your cave, Banner Church. You've come in here distressed. But you can have hope that this is a season of your life for profound development. That God can do something great with you right now where you're at. And can I encourage you, man, we, we as men of God, 
And we got to strive for godly character and moral courage. Men, the world needs your courage. It needs your example. It needs your integrity. I know it seems like, I mean, I, I have the internet and social media. It seems like the internet saying, men, we don't need you, what you offer. We don't need that. But it's not true. Men, we need you. The world needs the courage of godly men. The world needs the courage and strength of godly men. But it's through the refining fire of life's challenges that that character is going to be revealed. I want to encourage you, let's seek to be men who walk in integrity, who stand firm in the face of adversity, who reflect the courage of Christ in every aspect of our lives. Can I encourage you, men and women here today, if you're in that place that feels like a place of desperation, that feels like a place of exhaustion, I just want to encourage you, God is working. And God can work. And God does work in those spaces. And though on the surface, in the eyes of the world, they would say, wow, that, that you would be led to a wilderness place and to a place of isolation, a place of struggle. Man, may, maybe that means God isn't there and God doesn't care. But when you've been following the Lord for a while, where my seasoned saints at, you know that in those places that, that, that are forced upon you, and it's not that necessarily God is dragging you out there. Sometimes the world is evil and you're forced into those places. Did God force David to go to the cave? No, Saul was choosing evil in his heart. But amidst what the enemy meant for evil, God used it for good to fashion him into a mighty man of God. What the enemy meant for evil, God can use for good. That he's led your family to a different place in a different moment. He's led you here to this city or this time or this space. And it might feel different or you might feel in distress. But here's the good news. What the enemy might have meant for evil, God can use for good. So I don't know where you are. Maybe the Lord's led you. Well, he's going to use it for good. And maybe the enemy has forced you or things have happened or the brokenness of the world has come against you or sickness has come, whatever it might be. I just want to encourage you, God can still use it for good. There's nothing outside of his reach. There's nothing outside of the possibility of the goodness of God. Because there's an important fourth part of the cave. It's the fourth D. There's destiny beyond the cave. See, from this cave, the story develops to, to reveal one of the most anointed kings in human history, in my opinion, King David. And that those men who gathered in desperation became partakers of that anointing of David. That God's favor and God's power rested on them. And it transformed them into mighty men of valor. Let me just read you. I already read you a chunk of 2 Samuel 23. Let me read you a couple more. Do you want to hear about some good men? All right. Verse 8 of 23 says, These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joseph, uh, Bathshebeth. I'm not going to read all of their descriptors because Tekamenonite. <laughs> he was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800. 800. Yeah, it makes the movie 300 look pretty soft. Whom he killed at one time. And next to him, among the three mighty men, was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, son of Ahoi. And he was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel withdrew. So when everyone else fell away, these two guys didn't. And it says, he rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung, meaning froze. It was hardened to the sword. 
And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. And next to him was Shammah, the son of Agi the Herite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils. And the men fled from the Philistines, but he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. Then there's the portion I read you about them breaking through the lines for water. And then it goes to verse 20. It says, Benaiah, son of Jehodah, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerial giants of Moab. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a handsome man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand. But Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Awesome. Right? Got him with a stick and then stabbed him with his own spear. That's awesome. <laughs> right? That's a baller move. If you steal a guy's own weapon with a stick and then kill him with it. And there's all, it's a huge list of all these guys. These were the men who came to the cave as distressed men. Hear me, I keep saying that so you stop disqualifying yourself. See, the story didn't end in those rocky walls of the cave. They came, became renowned warriors who impacted the destiny of nations. And I want to encourage you just as you embrace the development of God and just as you embrace the fellowship that comes with it, embrace the anointing of God on your life. Men, he's given you a destiny beyond your distress. Men and women gather here today. He's given you a destiny beyond your distress. He's put a plan and a purpose for your life, and you might be in the cave of desperation, but there's a destiny beyond the cave in your life, and God has placed it there. You might not feel like it today, but you just need to hear from the word that he's given it to you. Receive it this morning. Gillian, you guys can come up. How many of you are thankful for our worship team? Many of you identify with the men in the first part of the story, but the end is a little harder. Many of you are in caves, maybe caves of doubt or fear or failure or disappointment. And I just want to say today, take heart. God is at work. See, the journey of the mighty men from cave to greatness remind us that God can use ordinary men to accomplish extraordinary things when they yield themselves to him. That God desires to transform even the most distressed man into a mighty man of destiny. Right? He's, he's teaching us as he's teaching the men. We could see these lessons coming through the word of God. That in our desperation, God brings divine gatherings to provide support and encouragement. That through the development process, God molds us into mighty men, equipping us with the virtues needed for his kingdom. And that beyond the cave, God has a destiny for each of us where our lives will impact others and bring glory to his name. And that's our prayer this morning is twofold. One is, yes, I'm speaking to fathers here, and I'm speaking to men to encourage you. But how many know that's a message for everybody? You don't have to be a dad here to know what the cave of distress feels like, what the cave of desperation feels like. If you're here today and you're distressed and weary, my prayer is that God would begin to awaken destiny in your life. He'd begin to encourage you by the Holy Spirit present in your life. And as you yield to his leading, that he would develop you and lead you 
into a kingdom transforming work. See, when I say kingdom transforming, it's so important. I want to add this. In my small group, we're talking about the kingdom of God a lot. And the kingdom of God is to come in the return of Christ, but the kingdom of God is also here because Jesus has come. When Jesus is preaching, he says, the, king, the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. He is the bringer of the kingdom, the bringer of the relationship with God. And though there's, it's going to be fulfilled in the end when Christ returns. Amen? Thankful for that. The kingdom work is present here because the relationship with the Most High God is here right now. And so I want you to hear me say that God has a destiny for you and the kingdom here today because he's called you into relationship and he's empowered you with the Holy Spirit and he believes for great things for you. I want to encourage you that God wants to speak to you. He wants to renew you. And for fathers, I want to pray for you as well this morning. And through your leadership, that you would begin to shape your family into a fellowship of mighty men of God. That God has set you in your family to leave a godly legacy for your children. And maybe some fathers here, you feel a little in distress or a lot in distress. But I just want to pray over you today that God would move you from distress into destiny. Whatever work that he needs to do, that he would begin to do it and that you would be open to it. That you wouldn't go it alone, but you would receive from the Lord today. Would you stand with me? I want to pray two things. One, would you just bow your head and close your eyes? Before we pray for fathers, we're going to have a time here at the end praying for dads. We have, a, we have a gift we're going to give you, our men's team and all that in just a second. But before we go there, I want to pray something specific with our eyes closed and our head bowed. If you're here and you're feeling like you're one of those distressed people, sorry, men or women, if you're feeling like you're one of those distressed ones, but you're in that space, you're like, God, would you just begin to awaken destiny? Would you begin to develop my heart? I yield it to you. Develop what you need to develop and stir what you need to stir so that there can be light and hope and destiny out of this season. I don't know how you ended up in that cave, but that doesn't matter right now. What matters right now is what God can do and the healing work that God can work right now and the destiny that God can begin to awaken and develop in your spirit. So if you're here and you're just one of those people who are saying, yes, God, would you begin to awaken destiny in my spirit? That I move from the cave of distress to outside the cave into the destiny of God. Would you just lift your hands? I want to pray with you this morning. God, would you just move me from distress to destiny? Just lift them up in just a receiving posture. God, I receive from you right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now. God, I pray you would begin to stir those hearts who maybe feel in distress right now. The men and the women here in this place who feel overwhelmed, maybe even overcome, who feel frustrated, or maybe who feel outside of anything. When I say destiny of God, they're like, I don't even, I feel way outside of that. I pray right now you would just begin to awaken in their spirit, in their heart. Holy Spirit, you begin to right now just move upon them and begin to stir their heart right now that they would just say, we say to you, God, we yield our hearts to you and we receive that anointing that comes from you. Would you do a work today? Would you do a work that begins right now? Would you do a work of development in our heart, in that place of desperation? God, would you do a work in unity? God, would you unite, unite us together like never before? Would you do that work in our spirit? And would you stir us to a great destiny that we know you've placed upon, God, that you've called to great things in your kingdom, that you've called us out 
to see healings and transformations, that you've called us out, God, to be a part of the breaking of chains in our city and in this nation, God. So we pray, stir it in our hearts first. We receive it. And if you receive it this morning, would you just agree with me and say amen? Amen. I want to end by praying something specific. Fathers, we want to pray for you today. We have have a little gift and a a prayer card we want to give you as a token. And there's a prayer on this card. It says, Lord, bless you that you might find strength as a father and that the example of your love and faith will shine forth. May the Lord protect you. May his face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious to you, show you favor, and give you peace. And we want to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to do really specifically. I'm going to invite, if you're a father, man, even a spiritual father, grandfather, whatever it is, foster father, I'm going to invite you to just step so our team can pray with you. Just step into the the aisle here in the middle right now. If you're a father, would you do that? Would you just step? If you're physically unable, we'll we'll come around. We'll get you. Just step. Yeah, yeah, so we have space. They're going to come pray for you. Move. Perfect. Awesome. Come on up here. Awesome. Love it. And then I'm going to invite, if you're on our men's team, would you just come forward? If you're on the men's team or whoever it was that was in that crew that were praying. We have some men's leaders up here. Just come right up here. Yeah. yeah awesome. Awesome. Come, come all the way up. I just want all the, the men and the fathers to see these men who many of them, all of them, yeah, pretty much. Our fathers. <laughs> and and to know that these are the men who are praying for you and support you and, and want to, to be a part of that, that divine unity together, that God has a plan and a purpose. So here's what's going to happen. I, I want to begin, Pastor Barry and I, we're going to pray over each one of these men, and I want to invite you to join us in that prayer. And then I'm going to release them to come around, and they're going to just pray really briefly for you as well to bless you. And when they do, you can feel free to just step back into your seat, okay? If you are somebody who who can't stand and come to the middle, just wave when we come by. We'll come pray for you, and, and we want to we want to bless you as well. But let's do this. Let's let's pray together uh, over over these men. Would you reach your hands out today? Lord God, we thank you for these men. We thank you for these fathers. God, I just pray a blessing right now over this leadership team. I pray that you would bless them and that you would anoint them. God, I pray your favor upon them. God, I pray as they lead their families that there would be such a blessing upon them that it would stir them and it would renew them. God, I pray an encouragement upon them. God, in those moments where they feel weary, I pray you would encourage their spirit. Holy Spirit, move upon them. God, give them words. Give them wisdom. Give them direction. Give them guidance. God, we pray in everywhere that they walk, in everything that they touch, God, that you would give them profound favor. We release them in the anointing that comes from you. God, we pray that you would make your face to shine on them, that you would give them favor and peace in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.